everyone. Welcome back to the Film Buds podcast. This is episode number 46, and my name is Henry. Uh, Braden. And uh, while Chloe cannot be here today due to, I think, pottery class things, we are joined once again by Cooper Murphy. Howdy. So thanks for coming on, man, filling in. Appreciate it. And so thanks for joining us. And so first off, we will say very sorry for last week not having the show. Everyone's lives were kind of a mess. (laughs) And schedules were really just off balance, and so we delayed it one day, then another day, and then we just decided to just to call it. Um, so we'll try to have that happen as little as possible in the future, but very sorry about that. But we are going to be reviewing both of the films that we were going to do last week, which is Tully, the new Charlize Theron film, and then a retro review of Roman, Roman Polanski's Rosemary's Baby from 1968. And also, just happy Mother's Day. We had Mother's Day recently, so I guess yep. that's kind of an, a little tie-in there. Yeah, and so we are also going to be talking about a few new big trailers, including Spike Lee's Black Klansman, as well as the new Freddie M- Mercury Queen biopic, Bohemian Rhapsody. So, and some other stuff. So thanks for joining us once again. How's everybody? Doing all right. Hanging in there. Yeah. Things yeah. have been hectic. But. Yeah, can imagine. Yeah, getting off work early today, coffee shop. Oh, yeah. So, so I'm pretty happy about that. Going to have my afternoon off. Nice, nice. So, yeah. I've actually been watching a decent amount of stuff, too. So oh, sweet. I'm excited to oh, catch sweet. up with uh, what we've been watching later today. Nice. Only thing with me, I'm just a little under the weather today, so sorry if I'm a little nasally. But other than that, been been kind of a stressful work week, but, you know, yeah, nothing too crazy. Anything y'all want to mention? Nothing comes to mind. No. No? Nothing comes to mind. No. <laughs> yeah, I guess Chloe's usually the one that has fun stuff to yeah, talk about. Animated but stories and, yeah. and such, yeah. But uh, yeah, she should be back next week for Deadpool 2, which I think she's very excited about. Is that already coming out? Yeah. It's, oh, yeah, wow. it took me by surprise as well. Oh. I was looking on uh, oh, yeah, the reviews <clears> came Rotten Tomatoes yeah. the other day. And oddly enough, yeah, this Friday comes out. Yeah. Which I completely, that, that sort of caught me off guard. Which, I wasn't. Something that I didn't piece together until the other day is Josh Brolin <coughs> plays both Cable and, and Thanos. Thanos. Yeah. And they're both Marvel. But I yeah. guess, does Deadpool exist in that Marvel comic universe with the Avengers? No. Yes and no. It's, yeah. It's very strange. They mash things up a lot uh, because apparently there was a whole. Um, I mean, what Chloe was talking about when we talked about uh, the third Avengers film, Infinity Wars, yeah. Thanos, his whole reason for wiping out half the universe was to get the attention of this woman, Lady Death. Now, Thanos exists in the Avengers world. Yeah. And the X-Men, from my eyes understood, live in a separate sort of yeah. world. Um, sort of different universe, or I don't know, dimension, yeah. whatever you want to yeah, say. Yeah. But... Um, this woman, Lady Death, or Mistress Death, Lady Death, something Mistress like that. Mistress Death. That do they reference her in Infinity Wars? I saw it, by the no, way. No, they don't. Not yeah, in the film. <coughs> no, they, they completely do away with that, which I think is, is actually a good idea. I think it seems rather crass that he's murdering yeah. half the population of the universe to get the attention of, of, of a woman. But um, Things you'll do for love. Yeah, you yeah, don't understand really. love, Brayden. God. <laughs> what is love? Maybe don't hurt me. Not the Roxbury. Um, but she exists. This lady, she, 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 and Deadpool get yeah. together at one point. 
Okay. So I don't know. I mean, it's all it's all fiction, obviously. So you can, yeah, you yeah. know, I want to do the Mitchell crossovers. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, it's their property. They can do with it what they want. But yeah. I mean, it gets it gets it does get very confusing. But no, they're not supposed to. Deadpool and Thanos <laughs> okay. are not supposed to exist in the same universe. Okay, that Deadpool. would be really funny if they incorporated and then Josh Brolin had to play well, two then, characters. <laughs> then the other thing about it, which is weird, is that Deadpool actually. Does end up becoming an Avenger at one point or something? Really? Yeah, I mean they just play around yeah, with, with, yeah, the, with the mean, dimensions and the storyline. They've been around for so long. Stuff. It's yeah. like, and they have so much liberty with. I mean, because they can just invent any plot device to bring in. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, like there's that whole Marvel zombies line right. of comics yeah, and stuff, which... and and that and Evil Dead was a part of that. Like they brought in Ash from Evil Dead. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um, that's so. that should be a movie. Yeah. Watch those. I, I read those in uh, yeah middle school. They're pretty cool. Actually, nice. I, I totally forgot about those. Ash versus Avengers. Or something. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was like him like killing like Wolverine as a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. no, like it's really cool. I think it's called. Awesome. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a rip off of Ash versus Army of something. But it's like the all the Marvel zombies yeah. and stuff. And Ash versus Army of Darkness. Well, there's the two <laughs> Evil Dead films and. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Army of Darkness was the third one. Yeah, you got you got me for Christmas. Yeah, I show. did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, good good movie. But yeah, I did see Avengers, and I actually I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. Um, it, I didn't like it as much as uh, some of the more recent Marvel fan like films that I've been a fan of, like the um, Guardians of the Galaxy and and Black Panther. Yeah, just because it did kind of feel overstuffed and it's really long it's yeah. a bit over the top it is long there's a lot of yeah perhaps a bit too much cg yeah and also like they're just obviously going to reverse everything that happened at the end of that movie yeah yeah maybe loki will stay i don't know whatever yeah i was we'll talking about you guys talked about two weeks ago but. i was getting into an argument on my letterbox comments with someone <laughs> yeah <laughs> about <laughs> avengers someone had commented on that on my uh Infinity War review, and I was just we're having like a letter bo- letterboxed comment, yeah, uh, thread. <laughs> it's like the lamest thing of yeah. all time. Were they saying that they were gonna keep? No, this? just I mean, I mean, and not that they were wrong, but it was just kind of like the true Marvel fan, cinematic universe fan versus yeah, yeah, not, so, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like I have nothing better to do with my time than yeah, to yeah, argue yeah. on letterboxed. Oh, I thought it was it's kind of smart what they did. It's yeah, they've killed off all the like auxiliary Avengers and now they just have the core group. Yeah. So I think the the next film is gonna be kinda leaner. It's just gonna focus <coughs> on the original Avengers. Well that's the point. I think that's kind of the point as they said, you know, oh people are gonna die in this movie, people are gonna die in this movie. and like everybody dies in the movie. Yeah. Except the original Avengers. And then so I think the next film, there's actually going to be something which is gonna be more impactful. Yeah. So, so, okay, we've killed off a ton of people, but yeah, it's all yeah. auxiliary it just, characters. It's just yeah. the thing is with that and separating the two films, it's like we have to wait for the payoffs of the people who died in this one in the next movie. Right. You yeah. know, it's just. But for me, like, usually that would really annoy me. Like, like God, like this, the purpose of this movie is just to set up for another movie. But there's enough, like, little goofy fun things in there. Like, yeah. I like how, like, Thor's new weapon is like Groot's arm too. Like I thought, <laughs> yeah. Like, like they made another Thor, like and he was still using Groot's arm. I think that'd be kind of cool. But like this is little stuff that like made it yeah, worth yeah, it, definitely. And I did think the end sequence when they're all like kind of dying is is actually pretty pretty. Good. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was pretty well. There are definitely some some good moments. Yeah, <clears throat> there's something else I wanted to say about it. Doesn't doesn't matter though. 
my mom believes that they're all going to stay dead. And she's like, oh, yeah, they're not bringing them back. Like, yeah, let's just make one Black Panther and then just never make another one. Just yeah. kill him. Well, that's what I was <laughs> saying last week is, you know, we have we know we've already got films for some of these guys yeah, in the yeah. pipeline. So, you know, we know we've got another Doctor Strange movie. We know we've got another Black Panther movie. I mean, it's, it's you know, oh, that ruins the whole thing. I don't care. I mean, I know you've got to go into these with just complete suspension of disbelief. Yeah. It's a freaking superhero movie. Yeah. Right? So there are certain films again, it's 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 like a bifurcation. It's like a two track thing. There are the quality films that are supposed to be more human, and then there's like superhero sci fi fantasy films, totally different tracks. Yeah. I you know, people may take may take issue with this and I can understand why and they can argue with me all day, but I'm not gonna I'm absolutely not gonna change my opinion on this, but uh, they should be judged by different merits. Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. So, <coughs> yeah, or you know, using different different sort of rubric for for yeah. what determines the quality of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the same so, time, I think that films like The Dark Knight complicate that and yeah. have maybe changed people's expectations. They've, but they've at this point, you should, have, bit, yeah. you should have realigned back to how it was, where it's like you yeah. judge the, this type of movie like this, this type of movie like that. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I agree with you, though. I agree with you. There are some absolute quality films out there that do blur that. I mean, the Dark Knight series being one of them. I think Blade Runner also, you know, again, I Blade Runner all the time. But it blurs the lines between uh, sort of a dark human complex inner existence, existential kind of thing, and science fiction, obviously. Yeah. And I know that there are other examples out there. I'm trying to think of some right now. Not, it's not like a big blockbuster, but Ex Machina is something like Ex that. Ex Machina, thing. yes. Yeah. It's spectacular. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah but I, I see what you're saying. A lot of people kind of relegate like sci-fi and fantasy to its own type of Yeah. Room oh, this is a yeah. sci-fi film. Yeah, yeah. It can't so be judged bad. as yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Look at it, you know, oh, this is this is a deep human film. The sci-fi is so minimal in this. It's, it's, it's not even sci-fi at all. Well, so much of it pivots on the, like Ex Machina, so much of it pivots on the the, the significance, the importance of artificial intelligence and so forth. And so, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyhow, I think it still qualifies as science fiction. Anywho. Should we get into our review of Tully? Yeah. <laughs> science fiction. Yes, yes, definitely. With that done, we can jump into our review of Tully, and we should have a clip, so take a listen. Okay, I'm going to go upstairs. Okay. Watch a movie with Drew. Okay. okay. Have fun. Oh, I can put on headphones if you guys want to make some noise. Oh, no, we don't. I'm... We're good. Okay. Hey, kiss goodnight. She'll be different in the morning. That's sweet. No, she will. She'll grow a little overnight. So will we. All right, so up in the or not up in the air, we're just talking about up in the air. Tully is directed by Jason Reitman and uh, written by Diablo Cody, and it stars Charlize Theron, Mackenzie Davis, Mark Duplass, Ron Livingston, Kitty Crystal. That's about it, I think. And the plot synopsis is a mother of three hires a night nanny to help with her newborn. Diablo Cody uh, has written two other of Jason Reitman's movies, which 
are Juno and Young Adult. And so they've kind of been a writer-director trio or duo uh, for a while now. And it also had a surprise screening at Sundance this year, but I didn't get a chance to see it. What did y'all think? Braden? Uh, it was a movie? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, how spoilery do we want to be? Well, let's do a quick non-spoiler. And then, since it's not a huge film, I guess we can just keep on recording and we'll... Okay. Just um, indicate when we're going to spoil it. Um, I thought the story was actually pretty interesting. Um, I thought the little... I don't know what you call it. Twist. I don't know. Again, that's veering dangerously close to spoilery, but I thought that was totally unnecessary. I thought it was frustrating and goofy and silly. Um, but there were, I thought, some very touching moments. I can understand that. I obviously, I'm not a parent myself, but I think it was interesting. I saw some of the parallels about, you know, grappling with, with middle age and dealing with, with life and the aging process and maturation and all that kind of thing and how they can wear you down uh, and the difficulties, the complexities that go along with that and a lot of the uh, sort of self-reflective anxiety. And also the the realization of what parenting can be. Yeah. Well, well that's that's a whole <clears throat> other thing. I won't I won't even really comment on that again because I'm not I'm not a parent myself and you know I understand that to a certain extent. If anybody throws it, well, you're not a parent. You don't know shit at me. I'm going to smack him straight <laughs> Please, mouth. go for it, Brent. But, you know, just because I have not decided to spray my DNA all over somebody. It's not me. It's time to spray my DNA, lady. I think we need to the birds and the bees, Brent. <laughs> we have a misunderstanding about this. No, I don't. Plug into the DNA hose and spray it. <laughs> Tell that to Mary. See how she, she takes it. Yeah. Yeah. But well, I mean, I'll I'll jump in. I, I mean, I actually like the movie a good bit. I mean, I I love Young Adult. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Diablo Cody's writing voice for the most part. I I did re- really like Juno upon first viewing, and I mean, while I still like it, it's it is one of those movies that feels almost a little too written mm-hmm. at times. Mm-hmm. But I do love Young Adult, just kind of brutally honest, and it's almost like the comedy of The Office, but in have the arms of Charlize Theron, mm-hmm. you know? I've heard it's pretty good. I, I haven't seen it's Young very Adult myself. Juno, I didn't much care for. I really liked J.K. Simmons. I really liked Jennifer Garner as the parents. Yeah. But Ellen Page and Michael Sarah were just kind of... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say uh, Reitman and Diablo Cody they seem to get really good performances. The script, the direction, seem to get really good performances out of people. Because Charlize Theron... She's amazing. And it? Ron Livingston and this in particular I thought were really good. Mackenzie Davis as well was also mm-hmm. really good. But Charlize Theron I thought was outstanding. Yeah. yeah, And so, she's she's fantastic in Young Adult as well. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and that film is very, like, just <clears throat> kind of brutally awkward. Because mm-hmm. it's about a woman who's really kind of damaged emotionally and she is kind of like the michael scott version of that story where she just says everything she's feeling and has no filter really but this one i I did actually like a lot as well i just liked again it's honesty about and now i'm not not a parent either but at least having been 
raised by a parent and having kind of even just working at Joe Van Gogh, seeing so many parents with kids go through every single day, mm-hmm. kind of the realization of like, well, of course, parenting is, a, I'm sure, a wonderful thing. At times, it's can be terrible. It's, you know, exhausting. It's aggravating, yeah. you know, everything under the sun. But again, it's also can be, I'm sure, a magical thing to to be a parent. And so this one really doesn't hold back in showing that. And I know that I read an interview with Diablo Cody and said she's a mother of three. And so at least she has some clear experience about what that can be. And I would say even this movie, I don't know exactly what they're really intending. It almost shows like Charlize Theron has a, almost like a mental illness in a way. She's like just so far gone in a way at times. And I mean, I know it's dealing with postpartum depression as well. I don't know how accurate that is, but just showing a a person having to deal with three children on her own, I felt was realistic and well, that's that's an interesting thing. Was riveting. It's it's, she wasn't really dealing with it on her. She had a husband, and the husband was actually a good guy. Yeah, granted, he had a job and he was trying to move his career forward, and so he was not as present, obviously, as the mother. But I mean, he he he. He was there. He was present. He he spent time. He helped the children with homework. So it's not as though he was sort of like a 1950s or 1960s father. Where yeah, that's true. Come home, true. sit down with a Tom <coughs> Collins, uh, watch the news, maybe pop a kid on the butt for for acting out, and then go to sleep. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know. So he was actually present. He you know he made lunches with he he did homework with the kids. He tried to help. But I mean, even so, because because he was still very much uh, focused on on his career and in trying to improve. Not just his situation, but his family situation as well. I think it was interesting that Diablo Cody did that because, you know, as, as edgy, progressive, I, I don't know, as as a lot of her characters are, it's very interesting that, that all these people seem to sort of set into very traditional roles mm-hmm. within the household. Mm-hmm. And so you've got a mother who is <coughs> obviously very intelligent, could have her own career, and, but she is... At home with the children, she's a homemaker, and I, I think that you know that's by choice. And so, but then you have the husband who's pushing his career, and so it's it's still interesting how they fall into these very traditional sort of roles within within this household. Yeah, but um, I mean, oh, I think it's in a way it's interesting in how they do it. With that said, how someone in a relationship or two parents, it's the one can be perfectly fine and be helpful and the other one can be maybe seemingly okay, but actually Mm -hmm. kind of struggling, especially like the mother who had just, you know, been raising the kids and maybe dealing with postpartum depression and other things as well. Yeah. I think that's what Diablo Cody was trying to convey is the fact that even if you have a good marriage and your spouse is a spectacular person who's actually there and present and helping the children and a good uh, husband slash wife. If you're home and you're taking care of those children, it's still a incredibly lot, yeah. traumatic just because it's so exhausting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, kids, sometimes they have, you know, little glimmers of, of brilliance and, and joy and all these kinds of things. But a lot of times it's screaming and, and poop and, and <laughs> yeah. messes and, and things that generally you, you, you know, as an adult, you'd rather not have to deal yeah. with. Yeah. So it's, it's, 
it's difficult. I mean, and she does a very good job of showing how difficult motherhood is. Yeah. And that this is not something that should be taken taken for you know taken for granted. That mothers obviously are important and should be treasured for for uh, everything that they do. Mm. Uh, that being said, you know, I try to I try to let my mom know, mom, if you're listening, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. But I nailed Mother's Day this year. Oh, mine did too. Yeah. Yeah, I saw Avengers with my mom. She was very. Oh, oh, nice. That's a good one. She loves. Yeah, I mean, this is the second time she saw it too. Really? She, oh, really? She, my wow. mom is a big, big Marvel fan. Really? My yeah, mom is the opposite. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my my parents are so very anti Marvel. It's not even funny. But yeah. uh, she's like Marvel. Is that the same as DC? What's yeah. this other one? Well, my mom sees. <laughs> my mom is one of those people that has a movie pass and literally goes to a movie probably every day. She wow. should use it while she can because yeah. we're about to go bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. And and. Why? Well, I guess since I now Cooper, you didn't get a chance to see it, but you no. had like the whole movie spoiled for you. Yeah, but by the time when you were working it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Someone, some random phone number is calling me. Okay. Low American idiot. All right. They uh, tie in there. I guess we could, since there is, we. The, I mean, saying a twist is. I don't know. Again, if that is the right way to put it, but. Um, if you don't want to have Tully spoiled for you, you can you can just look, check in the show notes. Um, Stick your fingers in your ears right now. <laughs> yeah. Say la 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 for the next ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, and just move on to the uh, Rosemary's Baby section. But spoilers now for Tully. Well, Cooper, did you want to? Since you haven't said much, you want well, to yeah. The, the sad reality of working in a movie theater is uh, people just assume that you see every movie that comes in. The other night, I was working my shift in a group of about five elderly, probably more. There's probably about 10 of them, actually, because it's like this big movie group that comes sometimes. They went to go see Tolly and just came out in the lobby and beat for beat spoiled the whole entire movie, including the twist, which was funny because half of the group didn't even realize there was a twist, which, granted, I didn't see the movie, but it seems more than evidently clear. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty straightforward. It's not really, I mean, it's a twist, but it's not a twist. You kind of go, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, okay. it's like... I mean, the way the way I put it is is it's M. Night Shyamalan presents motherhood. Yeah. Well, I mean, so. I guess we'll say so. It's the Tully character played by Mackenzie Davis is a younger version of Charlize Theron. Marlowe. Um, yeah. Her character. Yeah, Marlowe, yeah. who comes to help her deal with. Her Essentially, life. it's 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 Tol- like split personality disorder, but not exactly. Yeah. Um, it's sort of this strange dissociative thing. Yeah. Where she just. Because she's so exhausted and she wants to, to push through the difficult, this, you know, difficult period. And I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily postpartum depression or some other sort of strange dissociative thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mania or something. But she just, she just, she pushes herself to, to do, to do all these things and she splits her personality in such a way that it's like. Well, I, I would actually say, I mean, I've even, <clears throat> I read some reviews of it afterwards. I don't even know if you're su- you're supposed to take her character literally. It's all I've seen a lot of people say it's a fairy tale, mm-hmm. and so I mean I don't even know if you would have to say that it's she's imagining this. It's just kind of a fantastical dream in a way. Well, my question is: the movie designed in such a way that like it would be believable that she's like projecting this character or like for example is there scenes with like her Tully and then like her husband all talking and stuff like that yes yeah oh so there's there's scenes- a sex scene in fact oh, okay 
which is so i guess at that point you just have to assume that it's like, like a foreplay scene yeah yeah and so i mean i it's almost in the way that uh steven spielberg's the bfg almost plays like a dream which obviously that is much more fantastical but it's yeah. like clearly she's not running off with a giant and then meeting the queen of england and all this stuff and this it's while it is presented in much more of a grounded reality i feel like it's almost you're just meant to see it as uh, almost like a fairy tale dream kind of wish fulfillment having someone or i mean and just the idea of a younger version of you being able to like come in and help you or saying like oh yeah i do want that life but then also exhaust or kind of hard mm-hmm. to deal with when you actually get it you know well, like, i mean that was the whole oh, thing at the end with their night out in brooklyn mm-hmm. and then they have the conversation and the older version, I mean, this is, again, this is something I'm with. The older version is saying how much she misses the younger version of herself and sort of this worldly <clears> wisdom <throat> and she could have all these higher thoughts because she wasn't, she didn't have to deal with sort of the day-to-day grind. And so she had all these big thoughts and she had this sort of worldly tantric wisdom thing going on and, and all the, she could think about existential thoughts and all this kind of stuff. And then... The younger version was saying how much she admires the older version because she has she has to deal with with trauma, with the travails of, of family life. But there's stability, there's security. There is underneath all the poop and the screaming and the messes and all of that. There's still there's still love, mm-hmm. and that's that's something that that everybody in some way, shape, or form is looking for somehow. Yeah, uh, at least most sane, stable <coughs> people. I don't know. It's it's difficult to say. I don't know that it's necessarily a fairy tale. Because magical realism would be, you know, the notion that when she's going through this, she has, like, the younger version of her splits off from her and then walks around and does things independently of her. Mm-hmm. But I get the impression that, I mean, and they go through the whole thing. It's not it's not some sort of fairy tale thing. It's right. like when they're in the hospital, they say your wife is exhausted. She's showing signs of sleep deprivation yeah which is again obviously <coughs> that's the dissociative uh, split personality whatever whatever it is exactly obviously i'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist so i don't know mania hypomania i don't know what exactly the diagnosis yep. would be but i mean she was suffering from some sort of clinical oh definitely mental health definitely uh issue it's not a fairy tale I'm not saying it is a fairy tale. It's presented almost in the way that the way she she sees it as a fairy tale, as some as like this wish fulfillment. Yeah, okay, idea. I, I, I can understand. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this is okay. Yeah, cut and dry fairy tale. Understanding something, yeah. again, so. but I, I just in terms of like you being able to have someone like if a single mother or someone being able to like wish they could have someone come into their life help them there's recycling truck kind of like just dis- just disappear you know it's just that idea of having this a secret elf helper like a santa's helper type mm-hmm. type person to help you with your struggles of your life you know well, isn't that what au pairs or nannies or yeah or but child, i mean i mean in terms of it in, in, in terms of the twist and how the how it it's actually herself and so she knows herself yeah you know but i mean i like that angle of it but you, you didn't like that. Like, you felt it felt <clears throat> cheap? I don't know. I mean, it, it's still... I'm still trying to come to grasps with what... I mean, it's like, have children go insane. 
Yeah. Yeah, what is the message? That's what I'm curious. At the end, like, does she I don't know. have all the kids in her arms? I mean, she... Like, love you guys, or, like... She's a, a she's a good mother. Uh, her husband is, is a good husband and father, yeah. and yet she still has this... Well, I mean... Break from I don't I don't know I'm not sure what the message I don't know if there is a message other than motherhood is is tough and should not be well I mean I'd say even if a from the outside a mother who goes out with her kids can be seem perfectly fine sometimes when she's at home or or just any parent can be struggling Mm -hmm. like you know there's people who have come through mothers who have uh, single mothers who have come through with kids who have talked to to me and some of the other baristas just about their lives. You know, they have like three kids, all all who they're dealing with by themselves. And while they can have seem happy, you can tell at times they're kind of Tired. S- suffocating, yeah. Yeah. you know, just because yeah. they're they have to deal with all this screaming while dealing with their lives yeah. as well. And so I think it's just presenting a at least a somewhat realistic portrayal of what parenting or any yeah. complex situation can be, yeah. you know. My uh, my mom is really pushing me to see this movie because my mom is a single mom, raised three boys, and was like and had a career too on top of it. So she was like working, you know, forty sometimes fifty, sixty hours a week. Yeah, and uh, I mean, she really liked it, and so she said that it was pretty accurate. And just, I mean, my mom is far from perfect, but she said just the in terms of like her mental breakdown in the movie type of thing, like mm. she's like it's unbelievable. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, I mean, for most of my my life and my brother's life, it was just my mother. I mean, I, I can, especially since I live with her and I, I, I've, I've seen the entire kind of uh, arc, I guess you can say. But yes, yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's saying one thing or the other. It's just presenting a, uh, a look, a slice of life. Yeah. Darker or <laughs> however you want to put it. But yeah. I, yeah, I did really like Charlize Theron, really liked Mackenzie Davis. Mm-hmm. Like some of the the dark humor in it. Same thing with young adult and and with J- Jason Reitman. I think for the most part, I think he kind of needs good material to make good films. Because if if you have either of you seen Labor Day, no. it's pretty bad. <laughs> well, I heard what is it, Men, Women, and Children? Yeah, is and, that the, the one Adam Sandler that he did about? Yeah, media? that one's not great. I either. heard that was pretty awful. And actually, could I uh, brought up Labor Day because that one is almost like a fairy tale reality mm. almost like this although it's done much much worse um really? mm. and so i think he kind of it's good he and diablo cody have this partnership as well as um up in the air was but that was a book so i guess mm. he, but I, so i think he needs good material but he can make very good films if he's headed down the right path i think or has yeah. the right stuff to work with but i it's one of the more entertaining and interesting movies i've seen so yeah very cool yeah, cool. Uh, Brandon, anything else you want? No, I don't know. I mean, I'm still. Huh? I get the point. Oh no, it's just some weird car like backing up. Um, I kind of understand the point of of the the, the mental break that Charlize Theron's character Marlo has, mm-hmm. and sort of a a response, a psychological response to the to the trauma of her context. You know, as as a mother of three struggling to deal with this in, in, in uh, this postpartum period. I don't know. I mean, it still feels very strange, though. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is, I mean, it's sort of this psychological break. Is it, is it, is it belittling of the mental fortitude of these mothers who, who deal with these things and don't have these sort of dissociative episodes? Mm-hmm. Or 
Mm. Or is Diablo Cody simply trying to express a lot of uh, the the anxiety, the, the doubt, the self-doubt that goes along with motherhood? Because while you have these children, you're also struggling with your own personal fears, anxieties, whatever it is about right. growing up. And all of a sudden, you're not, you're not the young, you're not the child anymore. All of a sudden, you have to be an adult. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I kind of get it, but it feels, it still feels in a way you can do that without having to have this, ooh, little M. Night Shyamalan twist, yeah. right? Yeah. Like in trying to display the strength of motherhood and the fortitude of, of, of uh, these women who do this, that they have, a, you know, this mental break thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, think, I think it's just bringing up that idea of, it's almost like a cliche of someone being older and saying, man, I wish I could have known not to do this yeah. when I was uh, 25. If I've been able to talk to myself, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, you know, someone back in time, yada, like, yada, yada, yada. You know, someone who wants to be a Wall Street broker, like, you know, like, oh, I want, I want the money. I want that lavish life. And then when you get there, it's a little different or it yeah. can be, or I would think it would be. And so it's just that kind of idea of looking back at your life and or looking forward and just wishing you could know things uh, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But, well, you want to give star ratings? I don't know. I keep is This is a tough one for me because I keep vacillating between three and a half and four. Because, I mean, I, I really like some of the dialogue. I really like um, the, the performances. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the direction overall was really good. I liked the, the use of lighting and nothing, nothing felt overly sort of like bright and beautiful, which I think fed into the... The, the, the trauma, the difficulty, the complexity of, of her her situation. And so there were a lot of technical things that I thought were very good, but but the, the crux of the story, the whole the whole twist thing, in a way, I'm finding it difficult to reconcile with the whole intent of the film. Hmm. So I don't know. I keep vacillating with three, three and a half. I'll go three and three quarter stars. <laughs> I don't know. 3.75. 3.75. Yeah, I'm kind of between four and four and a half. I'll go 4.25. 4.25. Yeah. So, all right, well, cool. Uh, so it averages out to four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, with that done, we can move on to a retro review of Roman Plansky's Rosemary's Baby. And we have a clip for that one. So take a listen. What time did I go to sleep? You didn't go to sleep. You passed out. Uh, from now on, you get cocktails or wine, not cocktails and wine, huh? The dreams I have. Don't yell. I already filed them down. <laughs> I didn't want to miss baby night. You... And a couple of my I nails were out? ragged, and, and it was kind of fun in a necrophile sort of way. I dreamed someone was raping me. I don't know, someone inhuman. Thanks a lot. What's the matter? Nothing. I didn't want to miss the night. We could have done it this morning or tonight. Last night wasn't the only split second. I was a little bit loaded myself, you know. Rosemary's Baby is directed by Roman Plansky was released in 1968 and stars Mia Farrow, John Cassavetes, Ruth Gordon, Sidney Blackmer, Maurice Evans. Anyone else y'all think of? No. No? 
And the synopsis is a young couple moves into an apartment only to be surrounded by peculiar neighbors and occurrences. When the wife becomes mysteriously pregnant, paranoia over the safety of her unborn child begins to control her life. So this one. That's weird. Okay. Good? Yeah, sorry. Brain's having some headphone. It cut out again, and then you move the back on your laptop, and it would boop and pop right back in. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> that was very strange. Technology at its finest, you know. Yeah. So this one's, I guess, considered to be a bit of a classic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's in the Criterion Collection, and definitely a, kind of a signature mark in the horror genre, I would say. I guess, and probably Roman Plansky's most uh, well-known yeah. Um, as well. Well, Cooper, jump in since you didn't have So I like the, the tie-in with Mother Neuroses. I guess this is probably a little more extreme than Tolly, yeah. uh, considering she's giving birth to the child of Satan. Yeah. But I've, I've never seen it before, but, I you know, it's it's such a, like, popular and such a huge movie that I don't know how it flew under my radar, but I, I loved it. I thought that the performances with Mia Farrow, or by Mia Farrow and John Cassavetes were just... So, so good. Like, I am, like, obsessed with John Cassavetes now. Like, I, I'm i very excited for the Criterion sale next month. Oh, yeah. I'll pick up a box set of his. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I thought that I, I the only other Roman Polanski movie I've seen is Knife in the Water, which both movies are kind of driven by suspense. But I feel that this is just pays off so much better. Mm-hmm. And, it is, and it is definitely more of a, I don't know, typical, like, Hollywood type of movie where... You know, it, it it culminates in this like you know pretty extreme in, in a pretty extreme fashion. But yeah, <clears throat> you know we've talked about horror on the podcast before, and I like this is the type of horror that I love where it's it's all in your head, and you know you're doubting it along with the character, and they there's like restraint shown, like really the up until the end there's only one really horrific scene, and it's the like the blood orgy scene. But yeah. even that is pretty. You're just seeing like limbs and stuff like that, and. I don't know. I just, I just, it, it's really been sticking with me the past couple of days. Um, and just there's, for me, there's, yeah, so many memorable scenes, so many memorable performances. Um, and just the, like the music, the too, score the, is the score. The lullaby. Is so, oh my God. The score is very good. Yeah. Um, have, have you not seen, uh, Macbeth, his version of Macbeth? No. Oh, it's, it's good. That's on Criterion too. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought that the way that they, you know, they drop little hints throughout the movie, uh, I thought really good use of foreshadowing, like with the closet stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, the one thing I guess maybe, I'm not even knocking it because I like their characters, but the the neighbors were kind of cartoony. Yeah. You know, they're like she, they're kind of obnoxious and stuff. That's what ruined the whole thing for me, actually. Really? really? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I just, I'm, I didn't go bananas over this film the way that most everybody I know does. Mary yeah. loves it. You both seem to adore yeah. it. I watched it. I just kind of went... <clears throat> <clears throat> really? The yeah. tongue out? Didn't, the... didn't do anything for the me. The tongue thought, out, man. Damn. Mia, Mia Farrow was just... Oh, what are oh, oh, it's, what is going on? I don't know. Oh, my God. Yeah, but and, she played it well. I yeah. Thought she played I mean, it I, well. I'd say the whole film was pretty over the top, you know? I mean, John Cassavetti was so stereotypical. Hey, baby, what? I was just such he plays a perfect sleazeball. Yeah. 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 And just the way he, like, oh, my God, just the way he kind of moves And then the neighbors, you've got, you've got the guy who's this sort of, he strikes me as this very over the top, sort of classically trained actor, and then his wife, Ruth Gordon, who... 
I guess she won an Academy Award for this, but the whole time it was sort of like a, it's very just a really bad Long Island impression. It's, I mean, hey, it, how you doing there? Hey, I mean, it's oh, like, did I tell you about my neighbor across the way? I like that I mean, stuff. It's so, like, everybody, everybody, all the characters in it were just characters. They weren't actually, I never felt but, like they were real people. They were all but just it, like. But does it need to be? She well, if she gives if she gives birth to Satan, I mean, it's yeah, not like ingra- I, same thing with in Mother. Actually, it's actually similar to Mother. I would say. I mean, but you know, maybe there was some message I was missing, but you know, oh, she has Satan's baby, and then they have the big powwow, the big get together. Yeah, I mean, it's, ooh, it's it's a baby it's, shower for Satan's baby, and then they all and it's like all the people who are Satanists. There's nothing really. I guess they're all supposed to be like ancient witches or something like that. But yeah. it was like a woman who looks like a dumpy middle-aged housewife from like <laughs> that's what's funny about it like ohio or pennsylvania or something it has this right? like 60s like glitzy tackiness yeah to it that, I, yeah like i, 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 I love, love that shit and then, yeah you know they're rocking the cradle and then they've got the weird japanese guy with the camera what the yeah hell that? No, it's, it's great it's great it's great i didn't i, I thought I, mean, that, I thought i thought that i seriously must have been missing some sort of subtext <laughs> there because i mean i just i just didn't get it it's like you know and then the Greek guy shows up. He's like, "Hey, I'm a sexy Greek guy. Uh, where's Satan's baby?" And they go, "There's Satan's baby." Oh, this is wonderful! I'm a sexy Greek guy. I mean, it's. Uh, I didn't. I was missing something. <laughs> I was missing some some sort of subtext. Go watch Repulsion. That's what Roman Polanski can do. Repulsion I think that may be spectacular. Brandy hates cinema. This, <laughs> I do. <laughs> Repulsion is spectacular. That is suspenseful. That you you never really know what actually is going on. Rosemary's Baby, you watch and you kind of go. But I'd say the different uh, films, different different types of films. How I mean, so? This is over the top. This is this, very theatrical. This is yeah. Like, it feels like an episode of the Twilight Zone. It's just yeah. done really, really, it's, it's, really well. It's yeah, just kind of a, yeah. a strange, strange mood piece almost. Whereas yeah. Repulsion is more of a psychological, more complex film out yeah. there you know whereas this is more just well i, I guess a, a, to, a tonal ec, you know or mood exercise similar to i guess we were talking about uh well i guess that's what it, i mean because repulsion you actually feel you you yourself suffer through go through the anxiety your psyche phrase along with the main character played by i believe richard Bardo? who is the main character i'm gonna have to mia farrow no, it's not Mia Farrow. Or, or, it's a French actress. Oh, 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 uh, Catherine... Uh, Catherine Deneuve, thank Deneuve. you, yes. Catherine Deneuve. Yeah. She's spectacular in that. Oh, yeah, she's good. She's absolutely everything. spectacular in that. I mean, just, just her portrayal, and it just... It feels much more complex and nuanced, and I guess this one's supposed to be... I guess it's intentionally a little more campy? Yeah. Or, I, I would definitely or, say yeah. so. Hollywoody or something? Yeah. I don't know. It just... It's watching Repulsion and then that being sort of the the... the, the the touchstone, the benchmark for, for Roman Polanski films <clears throat> and then watching Rosemary's Baby, which everybody just goes bananas for. And then I watched it and I kind of went, eh, it doesn't really affect me the way that Repulsion... I mean, mm-hmm. Repulsion, I watched that by myself in my apartment when I was when I was down in Athens for grad school. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's seriously, after about 15, 20 minutes in the film, I seriously was like freaked out. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not joking. I mean, I was, I don't know, 35, 36 at the time, and I was kind of going, oh, my God. I was running around my own apartment, turning on all the lights, <laughs> yeah. looking in did, the closet. Did this come out post or pre? Uh, uh, pre. 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 Yeah. 
Pre. I gotcha. believe pre. I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up quickly on IMDb, but because it was sixty eight. Sixty eight. It was sixty eight yeah. for Rosemary's <clears throat> Baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. But uh, Cooper, go on. Some... Well, I uh, yeah, like I was saying before, like I, I'm a huge fan of the Twilight Zone, and there's a lot of like dud episodes of the Twilight Zone, but I like yeah. still like watching it, even the ones that aren't great. I mean, some are like, like the X Files. Like there's some yeah. good. And there's some not so good ones. Yeah, and I feel like you could slot this into a Twilight Zone. Like, this could be a Twilight Zone episode, and it would be the best Twilight Zone episode. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, Mia Farrow kind of plays this, like, doting wife that's, like, just confused and stuff. But, like, I just thought that just how, like, gross she got throughout the movie. She was so sickly looking and, yeah. like, pallid and nasty. And I don't know. I just, like, just... Something that about haircut. her. And that haircut oh, didn't help. Yeah. You can see the awful. you can see the sweat all <laughs> I mean, over the sure, sure hair is one thing, but I mean that looks like a haircut you'd give a five year old boy. Yeah, yeah. she had like her so skin awful. was like mayonnaise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought, oh god. Yeah. And um, like and, well, and also the it in terms of the setting kind of reminds me of the shining a little bit. That hotel and then this apartment yeah, yeah. and all the different characters. What I, I like that it was just set in bustling New York City. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like um I really like like horror movies that are like set outside the classical horror settings. You know, like it's not in a cabin, it's not you know, a spooky hospital or something. It's like in this like nice upper class like upper Manhattan yeah. apartment. And just, like, the scenes when she's, like, kind of just walking through the streets and she's manic and stuff. And it's just New York City, like, you've seen it a million times in other movies. But it mm-hmm. just has this, like, different context. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I'm and i a huge fan of just, yeah, the tackiness of the 60s that is just, yeah. like, oozing throughout that movie. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like you don't, I don't know, I feel like I haven't, a lot of movies I watch from the 60s are, are not from the United States, I feel like. So, a lot of times when I see that, like, when a movie has that 60s vibe, it's, like... It's not like based in the heart of United yeah, States, so I, that's kind of cool to see all that. Yeah, I, I just think it holds up really well. Like my my girlfriend, who's not really a, a big film buff type of person, I mean, she was glued to it too. Like hmm. she was like, she really loved it. Wow, that's um, cool. And she's kind of like Chloe too, where she has a hard time separating the the artist from the art. Mm-hmm. I mean, she knows. I mean, everyone knows how horrible Roman Polanski is, but yeah. it didn't prevent her from liking the movie. So I I, I don't know. I just think I think it holds up. So so well, yeah. Um, fifty years later, so yeah, and uh, and of course it's fifty years. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. I guess it is. Yeah, what do you have to say about? Sorry. You oh yeah, well, I, mean, I I I like the movie a good bit. I I haven't seen a ton of Roman Polanski stuff. I do. I probably like this as much as Repulsion, and then the Macbeth adaptation is also quite good. And but there's still a lot of those films that I haven't seen. But I, I do like this. It's, I mean, I've praised them before, but I just do like these kind of strange mood pieces. And actually, going back to Mother, if you look at one of the posters for Mother, it's actually almost like a really like yeah the face looking upward. Yeah, and it's similar to that film where she's just constantly second guessing herself. Like you know, in Mother, when she sees the little clump of like blood flush down the toilet, yeah, or these just strange images, and it constantly makes her psychologically second guess herself it's just things like that that are just interesting it may not mean anything all, all the time but it's just unsettling yeah yeah and interesting and also yeah like the score is so good like yeah. i was trying to find some good intro and outro pieces and i hadn't listened to the score in a while and it's so good yeah just the flutes and stuff and like, yeah there's a scene where her and her husband are walking down the street together and he's like angry at her and this is like when she's like full-blown like going kind of crazy yeah and like beginning of the movie there's a lot of like gentle flutes and stuff and this scene it's just like a flute going crazy like <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god yeah so i yeah i, I definitely like it a lot wouldn't be necessarily like my favorite 
kind of early horror classic film, but definitely am a, a big fan of it. I think um, it would be up there for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely going to buy the, the Criterion Blu-ray when I get a chance. Yeah. Because I just, uh, a co-worker wanted to me, so. Yeah. Yeah, I do like Mia Farrow a lot. What's the other big, what's the, I can't believe I can't think of it. What's the other big thing she was in? Brayden, wasn't Mia Farrow in something, other thing really iconic? It's not coming to mind right now. Oh, I guess she was in that Great Gatsby adaptation, but that wasn't very good. No. <laughs> no Great Gatsby adaptation has <laughs> ever been really good, so. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Anyhow, yeah, but I do really like the relationship between her and her husband. And I, I really like, again, the over-the-top people that just these weird, annoying people. You yeah, know, just the tannish road. <laughs> you gotta have some tannish road. <laughs> yeah, and I, of course, like, the third act is awesome. Yeah. Just how it all plays out. And it's and that kind of classic uh, scene where she's like, <gasps> yeah. you know, then the, the camera is kind of going yeah. wild and the score and everything. I love that. Yeah, and of course there are other films that have that similar style that don't always work, but for whatever reason this works. Yeah. Maybe just because it was one of the first to really go yeah. for it like that. But well, I mean, she's been in a ton of Woody Allen films. Yeah, maybe that's what um, I'm thinking of. Just briefly, the chronology: Knife in the Water was 1962. I don't remember if that was his first film or not. It may have been. It was. Repulsion was 1965, so that was his second film. Okay, and then Rosemary's Baby was 1968. Okay. Um, I don't know if anything came between Repulsion and Rosemary's Baby. I don't think so. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Mia Farrow's been Rosemary's Baby, Crimes and Misdemeanors, Purple Rose of Cairo, Hannah and Her Sisters. Well, she's in one of the documentary now films. Really? Yeah, that's funny. I think that the the film definitely has some like goofiness to it and like can have you kind of chuckling. But I I do think it is pretty unsettling like yeah nonetheless. like especially when it's like granted i'm not gonna get pregnant because i physically can't get pregnant yeah. but i'm i am a hypochondriac that is one of those people that like need so many second opinions from doctors and stuff like that yeah. and like once that like seed is planted in my mind i'm like so neurotic with that type of stuff so like i i definitely see the horror R- relate to yeah yeah knowing, yeah and just that, yeah, the scene early in the movie when she's, like, impregnated, I think it's so good. Like, I think that... That weird dream sequence? Yeah. Thing? Yeah. I, and, I mean, because I mean, she she talks about the... Very disjointed and strange. Well, it's a dream, Brain. Right. Yeah. <laughs> brain has very linear... <laughs> no, it just... Uh, it, there are dream sequences that are done well yeah. that you don't know. Again, repulsion. It's a good it, dream sequence. Though. Not really, but that's the point. Is you if if you can't differentiate between reality and dream sequence, what you're seeing is the viewer and what the character is seeing himself, herself, and you're having difficulty differentiating between those things. Again, it freaked me out to the point that I was running around the apartment turning on lights and looking in closets. That's a good dream sequence. Yeah. What he did with this was just like, Oh, there's a guy on a boat and she's walking naked, and then there's the, the, oh, the devil. Then I, I had don't I mean it was just it was just <laughs> It was just some sort of weird, like... Yeah, yeah, I wasn't, like, laying awake in my bed at night freaking out over anything. But I just thought it was... I thought it was well done. Yeah, I mean, mean, it's just the idea of dreams. Almost like how some Terrence Malick movies are, where it's just... It's so fragmented, Mm -hmm. you know? And everything is kind of all... You may remember weird, small things about it, but then other things may be really dragged out. Yeah, yeah. Something, too, about the dream sequence. Like, it comes about 30 minutes into the movie or something like that. And up until that point, it could have just been any other domestic drama or, like, romantic comedy from the 60s or something. Like, up until that point. Like, if you just sat down and watched this movie, didn't even know the title of it, didn't know the, you know, the premise of the movie. And it just seems like this couple that are coming, like, there is no horror up until that point. Yeah. And that's when it starts. 
Yeah. And I like that there is that, you know, restraint, you know, where it just feels like, oh, just what is this movie about? Just mm-hmm. this, this couple moving in the apartment. Like, like yeah. you think that maybe it's going to be a movie where like, oh, like we'll have marital problems. I mean, they do have marital problems. Yeah. But, and again, I mean, I, I, but then there's this fucked up blood <clears throat> orgy. You yeah, know. and, and I, I always hate bringing it up, but again, with Mother, that's the same thing. You yeah. can start watching, it's like, oh, this there's these this weird couple moves in for a few days, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. and it's seemingly fine, and then yeah. it just kind of all goes to hell. But yeah, and, the, and where she's talking about, she's in bed, and she's talking to her husband, and she's completely out of it. She's like, yeah, I had this dream where I was raped. Yeah, and he's like, oh, yeah, well, I did it to you while you were sleeping. Yeah, and you're like, like, oh, it's like, wait, you were right. Yeah, and just, and even when she's just saying that, it's just like, God, that's, like, what a horrible thing for a person to dream. Yeah. You know, man man or woman. Yeah. You know, it just, it would be just unsettling, things like that, but it's, it's a it's a cool one. Yeah, for um, sure. Does Charlie like it? My, my manager, Oh, he loves it. He does, yeah. He loves well, it. I guess he owns it, so obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he really loves it. Because that's, like, and that's, like, right up his alley, too. Yeah, he, definitely. He really loves, like. 60s like yeah he, he very american it. feeling you know films yeah, he's a, like a 60s 70s yeah. cinema guy for sure uh any anything else no. I, I still say we should have done aliens as the other film we yeah uh, that, that, that would be, be a motherhood cool. on two levels yeah yeah Ooh, we should do aliens or alien either or yeah oh I'd, I'd be down for well, that aliens for sure. is more of the motherhood thing you yeah have the yeah. queen alien and then on top of that you have ripley and her relationship with newt but yeah that's yeah. just me we could just do, let's just do all of it let's, let's just do, just do all Rogers. the aliens all through uh, i've alien never Covenant. seen three so. three theory the director's cut is pretty good still yeah. a little flawed but yeah, um, I I kind of I actually like three because again, yeah. Well, I won't go into that, but I, I like three. I'll just say <laughs> yeah, that. I, I, four yeah. was an absolute travesty. One was amazing. Two yeah. was fun, but in a different oh, I, way. Yeah, yeah. I, I like Alien over Aliens. Yes, same. Yeah, anywho, both are good though. Yeah, we should have done Aliens for the motherhood theme, but that's yeah. just me. We can do it. Um, we can do it soon as well. So I mean, I mean, man, it was weird watching these two films because Tully is 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 like a giant advertisement for birth control. Right, it really is. Sure. And this one, you know, does it for motherhood. <laughs> motherhood is difficult and complex. So make sure you think about things before you do it. Make yeah. sure you want to be pregnant and have a child. You know. Yeah. And then you watch Rosemary's Baby, and it's like anti-abortion. You can have the devil's baby, and you'll still love it. <laughs> yeah, don't get by the devil. Have the devil's baby. The end. It's to... great. You'll love the baby anyways. But okay, you know. I love huh? the. I love the end when she. Is rocking the cradle and she yeah. starts to smile. Like, and she just so walks great. up and she just. I love like, that. Gotta, That's so gotta, good. You're just like you should love your baby, no matter what. Yeah, you and know? then John Cassavetes is like, we can have another. We can try again. <laughs> yeah. We can have a pool. This one was, this <laughs> one was a dud. We'll, yeah. we'll try again. I'd like to think they should make a sequel where Rosemary's baby's like three and they're having another kid at this point. Well, there actually is a sequel. Uh, apparently, <laughs> it's, it's just on like on YouTube. Mm-hmm. That's what Will said at least. No, there is there is a sequel to it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it was hopes. an actual. Actual sequel, or if it's like one of those horrible fan made I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure Roman Plaza had fucking nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, I think they're actually. I mean, I'm gonna look at that now. Yeah, but he's like in was. kindergarten and he's like Roman, spitting. I know Roman Polanski didn't do it. Yeah, no, no, no definitely. I'm curious not. what the book is like that this is based on. So, star ratings, I think I go four and a half. Yeah, same four and a half. Three, Bra- three? Ooh, brutal, <laughs> brutal. No, Teach her own. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're not going to judge anyone on this yeah. podcast. I'm sure for Chloe, it would be like negative five billion. So. Yeah. yeah. Three is so, good for yeah. 
uh, comparing. So. Negative 28 cloven hooves. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Gotta add it to my letterbox. Oh, yeah. I'll man. do it later. Okay, well, I guess with the reviews done, we can move on to a little bit of news. So, a few cool trailers came out in just the last few days. So, I guess the first one we can talk about is Spike Lee's, I don't know what you would call it, a racial buddy cop yeah. <laughs> Some, uh, something that just premiered at uh, the Cannes Film Festival called Black Klansman. And so this one is about a black, I, I guess he's a detective, of, like rookie detective who comes in and, I mean, it's hard to even describe. What, yeah. what would you say? He is a rookie detective who's brought onto this case, take down the KKK from the inside. Yeah. And he makes contact with David Duke, the actual, well, he's, he's dead now, right? I think that is decrepit, but at one point or still is the grand wizard of the KKK played by Topher Grace, which is really funny. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, and yeah. he sends in his, his, um, his partner who's played by, um, Adam driver, Adam driver, who yeah. looks awesome in this movie. Yeah. I love Adam driver and everything. Yeah. He's like my favorite new actor. Yeah. I guess he's not even new anymore, but to infiltrate the KKK and he's Jewish it's it's them trying to take down the KKK from the inside. It, I mean, it looks pretty comedic, but at the same time, you could tell that it probably is. I mean, it is very serious yeah. subject matter. I mean, I, I guess it makes a point of the black detective is like talking to the KKK guys. Like, if I hate blacks, oh yeah, I hate Jews. You know, all, you know all these uh, different uh, races and cultures and uh, ethnic groups and um, to, like gain his trust. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. but you know, while he is black at the same time yeah. and then, but then they, Adam driver plays the quote unquote real version of the black detective and infiltrates the, yeah. Yeah. So it, I mean, it got glowing reviews at can. And so it, it looks like it's going to be a very interesting and very timely. Yeah. Film. Well, that's what the thing yeah. that got me about it is it, it deals, it deals with a very important, very pertinent subject a very timely subject and it does it in a way that i think is is true to the source material but makes it presents presents a very difficult subject yeah. in a way that it's it's yeah. more readily accessible rather than getting in my face and, and, and you preaching know, this is bad yeah. preaching yeah. yeah i mean it it, it i mean spike lee <clears throat> when he does when he does good work it's, it's good it's superlative i mean yeah. it's, i mean do the right thing is amazing trying to think inside man it. Inside Man, Jungle Sh Fever, and I actually really liked Shirak uh, or Shirak. I need to, yeah, I need to it's see like, that. It's like I think it's kind of divisive. It's so theatrical mm -hmm. and over the top that I think it could easily rung, rub people the wrong way. But I, yeah, I really loved it. So I thought it was interesting too in the trailer that they're bringing in like the the rhetoric. Uh, I know we talk about Donald Trump at least I, since I've been always talking like a couple times. <laughs> he but comes they, up once or twice. They they don't say make like the clans members in the trailer don't essentially say we're making America great again, but they say something that's pretty much yeah. that. <laughs> like they bring in like the patriotism and like the rhetoric of Trump and yeah. attach it to the clansmen, and it's like obviously very intentional. So yeah, apparently it got a ten minute standing ovation when it premiered. Yeah, really? yeah, wow. and then also he. Spike Lee himself, when he was at the uh, press panel, attacked Trump. Clearly, yeah, definitely mm. po poking at him. But yeah, that one comes out in what, August, was it? Yeah, I think. it was like, I think the beginning of August. So. Yeah, so that one will be definitely an interesting one to watch. I'll be gone by then. <sighs> I'll be watching in a different time zone. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so definitely keep an eye out for that one. And then, I so the other one, I mean, there were a few over the last couple of weeks, but... Oh, I didn't watch the... um. The new uh, Lars von Trier trailer. Oh, I haven't watched that. I heard is that movie oh. that also premiered at Cannes. 
people walked, walked out. out, but also gave an ovation. All I know is I saw tweets like, I don't care what it is. When you shoot a kid in the mo- a movie, it's not art or something. Yeah. Like, of course, Lars von Trier is. Apparently, there's there's violence against women and children. Yeah, what this. a surprise. Um, but, uh, but then, it's been getting glowing reviews for its commentary on... Yeah. I'm not even sure exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. It's, it's, Lar- no. it's Lars von Trier. Being Lars know. von Trier. Yes. But, Take it or leave it, I guess. I'm yeah. more of a leave it type yeah, of person. I, I, I haven't seen much by him. I tried watching uh, Nymphomaniac and found it completely unwatchable. Yeah, he's not just because chunk. it was a rough, rough film. The subject matter is rough, but it's I don't know, it was just it was just so kind of shoddily put together type of thing. Yeah, kind of. He kind of yeah. has that, that feel. Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm not really a fan, not nothing against him, but I mean, I do like Antichrist. That was pretty good. And I liked Nymphomaniac, at least the, the first. Baby Dying Antichrist too doesn't fall out a window beginning of the movie. I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. which reminds me, I looked at Rosemary's Baby too. There actually was one. It was not a theatrical release, but it was made for TV movie. Ah, gotcha. yeah, that makes sense. It was released in 1976, and the only returning person from the from the actual film was Ruth Gordon. Huh. The, so, the old neighbor? The old lady who right. actually, she was, I, again, I don't know whether she won or was only nominated, but she got a nod for supporting Weird. actress. It's like the equivalent of a like, Sharknado sequel. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. It's just like no one, you know. It was supposed to be just awful. Yeah, awful. I can imagine. So, but then the author actually the interesting thing about this is I was looking at this, the the made for TV film, uh, Son of Rosemary, I think it was called, something like that. Or, no, look, uh, look what's happened to Rosemary's Baby. That's what the made for TV. <laughs> Great title. <laughs> that's what the made for TV film was called, and at the time there was no source material. There wasn't a second book put out. But then later, the author of the original book, after the made for TV film, put out a book himself. A follow-up hmm. to the original book. Interesting. So, I don't know. Anyhow, huh. it's all a mess. The second one was supposed to be just terrible. Yeah. But, uh, Lars von Trier. Yeah, I mean, I did, like, Nif- Nifomaniac, at least the first part. His films are, it's kind of hit and miss. Like, yeah. it's, I can admire some of the style, but it just does, doesn't always do much for me. Well, sometimes uh, he feels like he's just, he's, he's doing shocking things just to shock you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's a, Filmmaker like Terrence Malick, where some people are going to love him, and other people are going to completely loathe him and call it pretentious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And- well, for me, it's not. It's like with like Gaspar Noe, the um, Argentinian director, where it's not even. I mean, it is. I guess you could say pretentious, but that's not what rubs me the wrong way. It's just like the extreme like violence and like and how graphic his movies have to be. For, like because that's just how he grabs people's attention, and it's like it's like Rob Zombie. Almost. Yeah, it's like he doesn't even have anything that interesting to say. It's like. He's definitely a good filmmaker, but it's like, I like at the end of the day. Why do you have to rely on these exactly sort of gimmicks? Yeah, it feels like a gimmick. It just feels like a gimmick. Sexuality, and it's it's not even like he has one movie with like a couple scenes. Like every single one of his movies, it's like this is the one where we have real dicks in it, having real sex. Like, like, ugh, come on. And then like all his like other movies are just like insanely violent, but not. What is what is desperate now? I mean, he he did love. Oh, a couple oh, of years yeah. ago. Gaspar yeah. Noe, he also did. Love. Well, yeah, well, I was referring with the, when I was just going on the rant, I was referring to uh, just like Nymphomaniac and stuff. But Gaspar Noe did Enter the Void, Irreversible oh, ah, yeah. Love. Right. Which Enter the Void, it's like cool on paper, but there's a what lot can of. You say? Yeah. But then Irreversible, there's just like this horrible, 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 like 11 minute rape scene. Oh, the, yes. The I camera heard about is just that. trained. Right. And I've, my brother is really into his movies and stuff, so I've watched a lot of them. 
but I just can't, I just yeah, it's too I much. And there's also that. one I think it's thing. I can't remember the name, of it, but there's also this one where literally in the movie, I haven't seen this one. It's about like an ex cop or something, and literally in the movie before the scene happens, there's a warning that pops up on the screen, and and then he like rapes his daughter. Jesus Christ. And then kills her. <laughs> and then that character is the beginning of Irreversible talking about it. And I don't know. It's They're all just so disgusting. It's just like... Yeah, that's pretty... Yeah. It just airs on the side of smut. And just because you're implementing cool camera techniques doesn't mean you're making that anything... Doesn't, it's, 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 like a, it's like the, the trashiness, but it's like without any yeah. merit or the, enter- entertaining yeah. value. The, it's just... Who's the Korean director? I'm trying to remember his name. Park Chan-wook did yeah. Handmaid's Tale yeah. and Stoker. Those and, are, but those are... Well, those are... Those there's some sort of salacious stuff in those, but yeah. it, it's he he it's not he doesn't use that as yeah the, the point the, of the yeah film. It's point not like old film. boy is a great film. There's some strange the fact, stuff. Like, there's some strange stuff that goes on in it, but that's not the point of the film. Yeah, and there's some other really spectacular things that he does in the film. Yeah. Like you could take away that the hammer in the hallway scene, or like the part where he cuts off his tongue, it would still be a great. And it'd film. still be a great film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but those are, those are just used to accentuate sort of the, sort of the descent into madness and the frayed psyche of these characters. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to, I mean, like an 11 minute long. Yeah. Sexual assault scene. That's, that's repugnant. Yeah. And and, in every single one of the dude's films, there's one too. It's like, what, what, like you were trying to draw blood from a stone at that point and it wasn't even good to begin with. You know what I mean? It's like, what? (laughs) I don't know. And then love too is just like them having like graphic sex. All yeah. The time. I, I remember, yeah, when that one came out. Yeah. And there's all the press about that. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I think oh, I've only seen, I think I've only seen love. I, that's one of the few ones I haven't seen. Okay. I guess. I don't know yeah. if I've seen any of them and now I don't, <laughs> yeah, really I don't want yeah, to see any Pass on them. Um, no Criterion releases of those? No. <laughs> I don't the, think. I saw a video of him in the Criterion closet and he immediately went to uh, 120 days of Sodom. And said, oh, of oh, this is a great movie. This of is, course. Like, yeah, of course. That in the movie where people are literally eating shit is your yeah. your favorite movie. Great, yeah, great, uh, <laughs> great filmmaker. That guy. Yeah, yeah. Who said that? Who Gaspar, no, the guy that the did all the directors. Oh, he, 120 days of Sodom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When did that come out? Salo in the 60s. That's a while back. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's another one. I'm. You that want to rent your review? That, that oh, no. we could have a whole conversation on no. the Passel Phillips of. of I think I keep I keep conflating, confusing uh, Salo with Antichrist for some reason. Mm. Very different. Yeah, Very I mean different. Antichrist okay. is there's definitely there's one scene near the end. I won't say it on live here, but it's like I can't unsee it. Not uh-huh. that it was like an ineffective scene, but it's just like uh... yeah. Do you know the guy from a? Uh, that directed Salo Pasolini. He was killed by someone ran him over with his own car and smashed his junk. <laughs> That's true. That's real. No, he's like he was like an enemy of the state. Like he was really? yeah, he was like uh open Pasolini. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I was on his Wikipedia page the other night. Philip's Jesus. a fan of him. Because he's also like a like he's like a critical thinker and stuff like that and has all his stuff published. And I don't think film was his like uh his primary focus, but people love Solo. I don't yeah, want to watch it. I think it's a little too much for me. Yeah. But, just a bit. So. Sorry. Well, enough about well, yeah, general mutilation. We went to and... some dark stuff <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, we found some really strange hallways yeah. there. Uh, yeah. If Chloe was here, we would have been able to cut it off real quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, us boys being boys. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. Um, 
But um, yeah, so the other trailer we can talk about is uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, which is the upcoming Freddie Mercury slash Queen biopic with uh, Rami Malek. And it's it was going to be directed by Brian Singer, but then he got yeah. had to depart or he was fired. Not really sure. Probably a little both. Yeah, something if like that. If he hadn't that. left, they probably would have dumped him. Yeah. It's just a question of which came first. But what, what did y'all think? Are you, well, first, are y'all, do y'all like Queen at all? Yeah, I mean, I guess as much as anyone else. Like, yeah. I grew up listening to Queen, but I never... There definitely like, some good hits. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. But at this point, it's it's kind of overwrought. You know, it's like yeah. when I hear Bohemian Rhapsody come around, I'm going to change it. It's like, I've heard yeah, well, a million that's, times. That's the thing is it's, you know, I grew up, you know, 90s, the era of Mike Myers and, and Wayne's World, and it was just everywhere, Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody, Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. hang on a second. Yeah. You know, other, other stuff is fun, but I mean, it's like bubblegum pop music. Yeah, it's yeah. like the same way I listen to like ABBA, you know, it's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, it's not bad. I mean, I'm not... No, it's on. not bad. I mean, the, the songwriting spectacular and the musicianship, yeah. Brian May is outstanding. I mean, the whole band was, was really quite good, and they did some sort of groundbreaking stuff for the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, sort of and, post-disco, early arena rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, just the, the kind of operatic nature or style of Bohemian Rhapsody definitely has had yeah. an yeah. impact for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, I think someone, I don't know if it was someone involved or someone outside of the project, at least yesterday, called out the film or at least the trailer for not showing his side of sexuality or anything dealing with that. Well, so, it was just a teaser trailer. I mean, it was a yeah. Like and so seconds. I don't, I don't know things. I don't know if the film delves into that or I'm not. I'm sure. I mean, um, especially but, just considering his death, like how could you just ignore yeah, his sexuality? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm hoping it does. I'm sure it will. But, yeah. um, I mean, it looks pretty entertaining, you know, it's be a cool one to watch. The issue. So he definitely looks like Freddie Mercury, like they got the look, but something is up with, it looks like, I mean, you can tell he's wearing like fake teeth. Yeah, and it really, I don't know about this. Like, yeah, and I guess like with these biopics and stuff, they're never gonna look just like him. But they're like he looks like a character of of Freddie Mercury. Yeah, I mean it. It makes the the point of like I wish, or the argument of I wish they would do more films like Steve Jobs with Michael Fassbender. Yeah, where, where he doesn't have to look like him at all. Yeah, but he can still play the character. Yeah, so well. Yeah, I feel like no one ever talks about. Bro. Yeah, I mean it. it didn't get like any Oscar noms no. or anything, so yeah, it got completely overlooked. Yeah, so that one comes out in November, I believe. Don't know if it's going to be an Oscar film or not, but maybe keep an eye out for it, especially if you like Queen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the degree to which it's a uh, it's an Oscar, it's potential Oscar bait. I think deals with some of the social issues. Yeah, that. the yeah. thing is, it doesn't touch on that at all in the trailer. The trailer just looks like garbage. Like that film, I would not see. I'm sorry. I really? Yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't. It's yeah. I'm Freddie Mercury. Nobody gets my music. <laughs> I want to put a big six minute opera thing in here, and nobody understands my music. I mean, that's boring. I've yeah. seen that hundreds of times over. Who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> they do yeah, like a I love mean, and mercy type of thing. Yeah, cool. I mean, but but yeah, love and mercy was outstanding because it was you know it wasn't necessarily it was in part the creative process of the musician. But that wasn't the focal point. The focal point was his struggle with his mental illness. And if you've got Freddie Mercury uh, dealing with the prejudice against his, his sexuality and how that was pertinent to it, and you, you did something more along the lines of milk, that would be fascinating. Yeah, definitely. 
So, I mean, milk, obviously, it was, it was the political aspect of it, but the, the degree, the extent to which uh, the, 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 not the villainization, but the, uh, something like that, I don't know what the, the prejudice against his sexuality and how that played into his political activity, you know, and obviously that, that's important. But, I mean, again, it's the, con- it's, it's how these things meet, how they converge. Mm-hmm. It's not just the one, it's not just the other, it's the combination of the two and how that affected the person. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't turn out like, uh, Jersey Boys, the Clint Eastwood. <laughs> if it's if it's that, then I'm out. I completely forgot he did that. Yeah. That's, that's another one to throw in the Eastwood rubbish bin. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe keep an eye out for those. Any other news y'all want to mention before uh, move on? I just I already brought it up, but yeah, the Terrence Malick stuff because I saw that. And I was like, mm. The uh, Tree of Life. No, sorry, not Terrence Malick. Oh, that is an interesting thing to bring up. Uh, yeah. I, I meant I was I always. I still like Thin Red, Thin Red and, Line. And oh, it's good. Oh, yeah, Thin Red it's Line good. Is spectacular. I've seen it, but I really Man want to. Yeah. Really yeah, I have it on Blu-ray if you want really? to. Yeah. It's on, yeah, like all of his films now, along with Tree of Life. I need to see Badlands. Oh, it's good. That's, I need to like, give that's him a his, chance. That's his, like, least but that Terrence Malicky movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the last one he did, Song of Song, was supposed to be just terrible. I didn't. I, I mean, I thought it was all right. Really? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a big Terrence Malick fan, so maybe I. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely not amazing, but it's yeah. it's okay. I need to give him a chance because I've I've only saw Tree of Life and and the I need to see and Tree the situation in which I saw it in definitely was not yeah. conducive and, to enjoying that yeah. movie. And and uh, the New World is very good as well with uh, Colin Farrell. Oh, yeah. Okay. About um, discovering America and everything. That's huh. very interesting. Does it take place in North Carolina. Yep. Damn, Hillsboro. Yeah, right here, my backyard. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I I meant to bring up. I meant to say Lars von Trier, but Tree of Life is getting a even longer cut. Oh yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, Um, is it fifty more minutes? He said it's like thirty. It needs more time, apparently. I I hope so. But um, (laughs) the uh, what's this shoot? Um, I completely lost my train of thought. Um, Oh, I I wish you would include that Voyage of Time documentary he did that premiered at uh the Toronto Film Festival last year, uh, kind of in a, it's about kind of nature and life and everything. I, but it hasn't yeah. gotten like any theatrical release. So I hope really? it does. Yeah. Is it just like just nature shots with someone narrating it? Or I mean, um, it's not I, like, it's, it's a, a very surreal type thing, but I'm curious to see it. Anyhow, I guess we can move on to some uh, listener mail. So the film buds podcast at gmail.com is the address that you can reach us. Also on Twitter at film buds and on Facebook as well. So please follow us one way or the other, if, if you would like, and we'd love hearing from anyone. Let's see what we got here. So the first one we got is from Aaron in San Antonio. It says, hi, buds of film. What do you think of the criticism by directors saying Netflix is a bad thing for most filmmakers and or movies? Do you think it's a losing or winning game for them if a movie lands on Netflix instead of getting a wide theatrical release? Love the show, Aaron. That's a tough call. Yeah. I mean, cause I, really I, tough call I know, because I know Spielberg has made a point and said that's like a, it's not a good thing if they get their movie put on Netflix instead of the actual yeah, release. I, well, I have yet to see a feature length film that was originally put on Netflix that is of the caliber of like a. Well, I mean, because well, I mean, Mud, I need to watch Mudbound, but Mudbound oh, is supposed yeah, they, to be quite oh, it's, good. It is, it's and good. the, the yeah. director of photography that did that uh, went on to do Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah, that film's got a lot of nominations. She's supposed to be she's she's a remarkably good cinematographer, yeah. Yeah. and uh, Mudbound's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah well, well I mean, the true test film. I think is going to be 
The Irishman this year. Martin Scorsese's film. Is it going that, straight to Netflix? It's going to be put on Netflix. Because, I mean, really? most, yeah. of the, most of the films that I've seen on Netflix, I'm sorry, but they've been horrible. Yeah, Bright yeah, was yeah. garbage. Mute was garbage. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some of the other feature-length films. The other one about the, the Devil's Son. <laughs> the one Adam Scott. Oh, Little... Little, little, little devil, little, little evil. People. Little dicky. <laughs> yeah. Something like, like little that. evil or something like little, that. Wait, what is that movie with Adam Sandler from Little Nicky? Remember that one? Oh, Little Nicky, yeah. <laughs> that movie's so bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, well, that's another one, Netflix, all these friggin' Adam Sandler things. That oh, yeah, out. God, yeah. They're yeah. all garbage. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, yeah, I think yeah. the, the Meyerowitz stories were... Oh, I, well, that wasn't that wasn't even part of his contract. They were okay. That was yeah. like well, that was Baumbach, and he likes. I guess he likes working with Noah Baumbach. But I mean, that yeah. Meyerowitz stories were eh, okay. I, 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 I like that's one I did, I did like a lot. But. They weren't terrible, but it wasn't it wasn't outstanding. Yeah. I don't know that working on Netflix is necessarily a kiss of death. It's just no, that I for mean, some reason, the standards that they seem to have. I don't know whether it's a budgetary I mean, I, thing. I, I, a I think they need. It just seems like they need more producers who know what they're doing yeah they're just like here you can have whatever creative control you but want do whatever you want one thing yeah. i i do like the idea of netflix being this platform for films that maybe wouldn't get the attention of the big yeah. oh definitely studios. So like, if, if it can be this platform for you to put out a quality film and you have tons of creative control over it yeah. I'm all for it. Have we well, seen that necessarily yet? No. Other than like Mudbound, which apparently people people say is oh, good. But oh, Beasts of No Nation is a good one. Beasts of No Nation, yes, that's yeah. supposed to be spectacular I'm, as well. But I'm I'm definitely for it just because you know it, it's as much as we can break away from. And there's plenty of quality films in the great you know big production houses in Hollywood and stuff like that. Like you know, but at the same time, like any if you the opening of more avenues for people to release films, I'm for. Yeah. Um. I don't think, as long as I, we, I'm still getting physical releases for the movies that I like, mm-hmm. as long as I can still get my you know nice collector's editions and yeah. stuff like that, I'm happy. <clears throat> I mean, but yeah, the the interesting will be because the Irishman they just had a recent like press with Scorsese and he said there are 300 scenes in it, <laughs> so it's gonna the be like hell? yeah, and so like this is gonna be a like huge crime film that's apparently like, the budget was like 140 million or something like it, it, it like it seemed like every week it, the budget keeps yeah. them going up um and so that's gonna be an interesting i mean one. how is netflix putting out the films with budgets like i don't know that they're <laughs> i don't know up or we're, losing, we're money. losing money like crazy we're 20 billion in debt here well, you know? yeah right as i was leaving the house my roommate was watching silicon valley and <laughs> there's a guy like yelling at the guys that are making nap or whatever they're like Every great business is losing money. You cannot be making money. Yeah. Like, look at Amazon. Yeah. They haven't made money in years, but somehow Jeff Bezos is a fucking billionaire. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so that one, especially with his name attached, it's like, is that going to get the normal audience that it would get for a theatrical release? Because, well, if you look at Silence, that's something that would be much better for Netflix than yeah. For, I that, can't see Silence got, doing well that, in theaters. It, and it didn't, yeah. yeah. It went completely underlooked or well, overlooked. One thing, though, that does worry <laughs> me about it, if this does become a, a thing and more and more films are put out on Netflix and that just becomes the norm, I'll be sad because I personally like going to the theaters. Like, yeah. I like the experience of going to the movies. But I know tons of people that will be like, no, nah, I don't want to go to the movie. I don't want to spend the 10 bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, me personally, if I want to see a movie, $10 for a movie is a fair price. I won't question yeah. it. Yeah. There are certain um, but films. There, but I know plenty of people that would see a movie. I'm like, yeah, I want to see it, but I just didn't want to spend the money. You know? Yeah. 
See, there are so. certain films that, that I think absolutely need to be seen in a theater. Like the, the Avengers films absolutely need to be seen yeah. in a theater. But then there are certain other films that aren't, aren't even, you know, extravaganzas, that sort of thing, that, that should be seen in a theater. Yeah. Uh, you were never really here. Yeah. Honestly, I thought seen in a theater. The yeah, visuals, that's what I, was about, I was just about to say. The, the master. Sound. The sound. Um, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Cool, just yeah. the way that, that everything is shot and framed yeah. would have been remarkable. I've only seen it on my TV at home, yeah. but it would be remarkable to see in a theater. To get <coughs> Annihilation. The cinematography. Annihilation has to be seen in a theater. Dunkirk. Yeah. So there are certain things oh, that have yeah, to be yeah. seen in a theater. That being said, there are certain films that don't necessarily need to be seen no. in a theater, but it enhances the... Totally, I didn't need to see in a theater. No, 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 no. Uh, that doesn't mean it's any less of a film. Yeah. It's it's a film. It's a good film, but but it, when a key tenet of the film is its production quality, yes, is, yeah, you know. Um, so I think certain things need to be absolutely done a theatrical release. Yeah. Um, what Netflix has done, which I think is spectacular, is it's locked down a lot of really <laughs> excellent documentaries. Which yeah. documentaries you don't need to see in theaters. Yeah. I like right. watching, me personally, I love documentaries and I like watching yeah. them in theaters. I will say that. Mm. So I'm not saying that documentaries should just port wholesale yeah. over to Netflix. I don't think that's the case. But you don't watch of, Chef's Table on, you know, on the yeah. <laughs> even though I would. <laughs> I would. I, would. <laughs> I absolutely would. Yeah. Marathon. Um, so, I mean, there, there are documentaries don't necessarily, because it's not meant to be a sort of visual extravaganza. Uh, and cinematography is, you know, production, set design, cinematography, visuals, all those kinds of things are not the bread and butter. It's the story and how the story is told. Yeah. That, I think, works really well. I mean, Netflix has some absolutely outstanding documentaries. So what happened to Miss Simone, um, the 13th. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, some of the sort of stories that they have. I'm watching one right now, Evil Genius, which... Oh, I've heard, I heard that was, yeah, really good. It's really good. I think Netflix should be a platform for, for, for new directors to sort of get their name out there. That being yeah. uh who is it? The director of Bright? David Ayer. David Ayer, thank you. That was it's upsetting. Your, your favorite film of the year, right? That was upsetting. <laughs> because, I mean, he did, you know, Fury was so remarkable. End of Watch as well. And Yeah, End of Watch, right? Which is on Netflix. But End of Watch. And then he goes and makes Bright. Who said, this is a good idea. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, let's I, do this. I, well, I like the concept. It's just the execution. I like the concept again. It's just the first ten or fifteen minutes, I thought were yeah, but then, but then the story just devolves into like crass action flick. Yeah. Whereas Fury, it that doesn't happen. Yeah. Although to be fair, I that could have been come out in the theater. It would have had the same effect, wouldn't you say? Yeah. It's not, it's not necessarily Netflix's fault, but no, I don't know that it's Netflix's fault. But 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 where in the chain of command was it decided? Let's make the movie this way. Let's give oh, the, yeah, yeah. the ability to, to go with. Why didn't somebody say to him, okay, this first 10, 15 minutes this is great, but you need to redo the entire last yeah. hour, 45 minutes of the film because it's garbage. Yeah. I don't know. We'll that see. We'll I don't see. know that Netflix is a kiss of death for directors. Yeah. No. That being said, generally the quality of films being put out on Netflix has been subpar. And yeah. so. Even if a director's film is good and they put it out on Netflix, yeah. there is a certain I, I, uh, yeah. 
what is the word I'm looking for? Prejudice or, yeah, or I predisposition think, or... I, I think that films through Netflix are going to take the role of the made-for-TV films. Where there are, of, plenty, yeah. there are plenty of good... I'll, I'll talk about it on what I've been watching recently because I've been watching something that originally aired on syndicated television. but And it's great. There, there, there are plenty of like good movies that came directly to, but the vast, vast, vast majority are, are just shit, awful, yeah, terrible. So I, I think that you might have to wait to the crap <laughs> Netflix stuff, but we'll see. I, I think yeah. it could be different. I mean, well, I mean, it is an evolving platform. So yeah, there are. I mean, it's it's ubiquitous now. I mean, you know, ten bucks a month. Yeah, I mean, no one for, has cable because of Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is some good stuff, but you, you do have to weed through a lot of crap. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of crap on there. Sounds like all the movies we see in theaters, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of shit in theaters. So. Yeah. There's a lot of garbage out there. Summer's coming, guys. Summer's Ooh. coming. <laughs> Summer's here. Yeah. We, well, we yeah. hit the blockbuster season. Yeah. And, you know. Well, that, that was one thing I wanted to say when we did the Avengers Infinity War, which I thought was kind of weird. What does it say about our, our filmmaking in our day and age that I go to the theater, watch Avengers Infinity War, and across the lobby, Black Panther is still playing? Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Was it? How weird. Yeah. Huh. Like, every movie theater in America is still playing true. Black Panther. Yeah. It's Mar- Marvel and Disney, man. They're taking over. But, well, you know, their their quality hasn't plummeted. Well, that's the thing. If anything, the I think they're getting better. Films. They're getting the, better, I think. The quality of their films has been generally pretty good. There yeah. are some lapses here and there. I still didn't like the last the, the major fight fight scene between Black Panther and Killmonger in Black Panther. All the flippy loopy do care uh, CG camera stuff was yeah. not really my thing. Uh, but that's more like a personal aesthetics issue. But uh, I mean, the rest of the film was outstanding up until that bit anyhow black panther hugely popular and now you know let's see how long avengers infinity war hangs out in the theater so it's been what three weeks now it's gonna be like all summer probably. i mean it just became yeah. the fifth highest grossing movie of all time yeah so and, it's, and the highest grossing superhero film so yeah it's i mean they're, they're fun to watch i don't begrudge anything they're fun yeah. to watch it's just it's just it's just funny when you go to the theater <laughs> and you're oh uh, do i want to watch the brand new Avengers. You want to go see Black Panther, which has been out for six weeks now. You know. Yeah, and he's already in it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, he's already up oh, there. He is again. Yeah. Hey, it's... In a way, I think it's kind of cool. Though. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of fun. But yeah. Well, thanks for the email. All right. Uh, I guess we can just do our picks of the week. I guess since y'all have, or at least you have, yeah, a good few things. Oh yeah, but the filmbuds podcast at gmail.com, Just to reiterate, you can contact us there. Send us any questions or comments you have. And so, I mean, I just, ha- I just have a couple of things. I watch, I was telling Cooper about it a few days ago. I was, when I was just bored, and for some reason I had the Blu-ray. I don't know why. Got it like a year or two ago. But I watched The Lords of Salem, what? which what? is the uh, Rob Zombie movie uh, from a few years ago. One of his, his slasher grindhouse. His second, type his second most recent film. I was just like, you know, let's takes i'm gonna watch something strange you know something i haven't really i've seen many of his films before i would say maybe at best it's three out of five but it's probably at least of the films i've seen it's probably the best which isn't saying much Mm. but it's these follows these three radio gothic clown djs oh god (laughs) insane clown (laughs) bossy style yeah you should should look up the 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 design like on google images it's like insane clown bossy they have like blonde dread juggalos dreads kind of like kiss band paint and 
How do you do this to yourself? I, 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 I was curious, you know? <laughs> I, I, I like taking a risk here and there. But they get this... Oh my god, they look so fucking stupid. <laughs> look, yeah, look. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ. pretty awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, they, there are these DJs who all the banter between them is just brutal. It's just like the most lame, like unfunny, cla- like stereotypical radio DJ stuff um, or banter, which doesn't all mesh with their look. Like you would think these guys would be like dark, cynical, like, but they're just these regular radio DJs or this is how they sound. But they get this unknown p- music in the mail and they play it and then it starts to affect things oh in the world. God. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the fog. In a way, you know this the the John Carpenter movie where the fog rolls in and the pirates come and and it was the opening scene is just the thing that I hate about Rob Zombie and actually it's I know we talk about about him a lot but he's like the horror genre's version of Michael Bay. All yeah. of his films are like unnecessarily obnoxious. Yeah, because it's so lame. The, the, it's lame. There's the, no other way of putting it. The humor <laughs> is so present and also just so unfunny and dated. <laughs> and also with Rob Zombie, you have violence, and then with Michael Bay, you have action. All of his films are just mind numbing uh-huh. with due to, due to their content. And this, there's a witch being. I won't go into too much detail, but having a baby cut out of her. And then the, them spitting on it. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 like what we were talking about with gas. What's his name? Gaspar Noe. Yeah, where it's just like, what are you what are you doing, Rob? <laughs> well, why, <laughs> Rob? Why? What man? are you trying to prove? Yeah, take like, that, mom and dad. Yeah, I can make a bad. Movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like that stuff where you just I just can't wrap my head around as to why it's there, and also because and also with Rob and actually with Michael Bay as well. All of his characters are at like 11 all the time in terms of energy. And so they're always screaming. They're always yelling. And Michael Bay, you have all the characters in Transformers who are just like yelling and, and yelling at each other. And it's just so tiring. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of visually, the film is okay. It's actually probably his best looking movie mm-hmm. in terms of cinematography. Um, and I mean, there are a few moments here and there. And the, the, the concept of these three like gothic clown DJs is at least somewhat interesting but everything else and I mean, you, where he draws inspiration from is just so shallow. Also, it, like, it's just so obvious where he's drawing his inspiration from. And it's just like... So you say the phrase, gothic clown DJs, and like, I just immediately... But see, I mean, no. well, I mean clearly, I'm not like... like I'm not yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah, like yeah, my, yeah. my mind is blown. Yeah. Oh my, but my God. question is, my question is, why are they putting on all this makeup and all this shit if they're just radio DJs and no one sees them. Right? Nobody sees them anyway, so it's not as though... You guys don't realize it, but all three of us right now are wearing face paint. Yeah, we all have dreads. We do this every week. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, wearing a leather trench coat. We're wearing like Tim Burton-esque clothes. I've got a black duster on and my leather pants. We look like Edward Scissorhands right now. (laughs) I dress exclusively at Hot Topic. Yeah. Yeah, um, and so it's... We've got merchants hot topic yeah. <laughs> yeah and so it's a, by no means probably a film I won't ever watch again but it was at least sell that blue dude yeah. sell that blue uh, yeah it'll be on my shelf for a while until I know what to do with it but it's okay um, I mean if I'm sh- I know there are big Rob Zombie fans out there just I guess in the way there are Eli Roth fans who it's kind of a, a guilty pleasure or whatever but it's okay I, it's, I mean, it's, it's, there's uh, there's stuff in it I hate but it's not also it's not the worst thing I've ever seen it's just eh alright all right, Rob. I mean, I don't get. I mean, you, you, they have scenes like that. Where we're talking about Gaspar Noé and some of these directors who who put these remarkably graphic, so, uh, shocking scenes in their films, <coughs> and it's kind of like 
look at me, am I, am I edgy enough yet? Yeah. Am yeah. I it's edgy like, enough yet? It's like that's all they have to put on the table. Lynn Ramsey. Who did? You were never really here. Her films. She is edgy. That's yeah. edgy. Yeah, but it's like tastefully done. But it's it's and the, it advances the remarkable the pieces of filmmaking. <laughs> because it's edgy, not because it's like, ah, oh, now we're gonna cut the baby out and spit on it and then we're gonna eat the baby and then we gotta <laughs> rape the witch. It's like I mean that's that's just eat the baby. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I, why? And I know that the of course I know of course on the show, this show, uh Mother is very divisive, but um, yep. just the stuff in that, at least that film has, at least is attempting to tackle interesting ideas, whereas in something like with Rob Zombie, it's purely just shock just factor, shock factor, violence, um, yeah. and it's and very goofy. exploitative. And I mean, that's I guess that's what he's going for. It's supposed to be a throwback to some of his grindhouse stuff. I yeah, guess. but but his films aren't nearly as as fun as those early, yeah. where it's, it's, well, it's, were... it's goofy in a way that it's... Or it's dated in a way that's charming, whereas in this it's just like, ugh, this is just mind-numbing. Yeah. Dumb. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I don't know. Does he have, I guess the big question is, what sort of self-awareness does he have to the schlock that he's making? Because I don't know if there's that much. Yeah, he probably thinks it's sick. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, but also, and also in terms of how his characters look, they all, all the male characters look like him. They yeah. all have this long, like, death metal band hair. Right. They're all, yeah. like, uh, scruffy facial, scruffy hair. facial which is, hair. Which is funny, because, like, anyone that, like, listens to that type of music just knows that Rob Zombie is so lame. Like, <laughs> like yeah. who he's aspiring to be, like, everyone, like, he's, like, the kid on the playground that, like, is trying to, like, fit in with the other group of kids, and he's just doing it so poorly. Yeah. And and I kind of feel bad for so him. So, I, I haven't seen his most recent one, 31, and I haven't seen a few of his earlier ones, but this one's at least... Not, again, not saying much, but it's it's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, check that. Have a seizure while watching it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did. I did kind of nod off once or twice, or go get food while yeah. I was playing. But then, uh, just the other thing I watched is I rewatched the post on 4K um, and liked it slightly more. Still, don't love it. I think it's maybe on par with maybe War Horse for Spielberg's movies. Still. While it's very, I get, I got the timely timeliness of it much more in, on this viewing, and so yeah. it's very timely. Well, um, I mean, the issues of, of freedom of press, and, yeah. and the, the legitimacy of, of of the press, yeah, I mean, ex- exactly. In the era of fake news, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. So. Um, and then other, but otherwise, it's it does feel at times a little shallow and kind of just very feel good crowd pleasing Oscar bait in a way. Yeah. Um, or the Spielberg version of that. Well that's that's a thing. That's what bothered me is I thought the story was overall spectacular was interesting and, and he treated it in a good manner, but there were some pretty uh, give me an Oscar sort of shots. Yeah. It, and it's it's the same thing with Warhorse where it's it's PG thirteen, but it's trying to show you World War One. Mm-hmm. It's like the Hollywood version of World War One. Well that's a shame after I mean because saving private Ryan Exactly. Yeah I was just about to say that yeah. Thing. Um, but it's it's and I did like Meryl Streep a lot. She's yeah. very good in it. It's um, good. It's not it's not Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, Bridge of Spies. Yeah. Uh, but it's 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 still I thought a very very well done film. I yeah. was actually surprised at how good it was. You know, I was never a huge Spielberg fan, but you know he keeps putting out films like this and Saving Private Ryan, and then uh, Bridge of Spies was really outstanding. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen Lincoln. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I still like that BFG, Adventures of Tintin, all, probably all more than this mm-hmm. overall. But 
still still solid. But yeah, I think that's it for me. Cooper? Cool. So I was referencing it earlier, but I'm slowly making my way through um, the Decalogue. I don't know. I've, have I talked to you? <laughs> you you've talked to me about it. But yeah. This Polish director, Krzysztof Kieslowski, made this 10-part miniseries. Each episode's an hour long. And each episode is loosely based around one of the commandments or multiple commandments. Mm-hmm. It, it's a lot of it has to just do with morality, and um, and it all takes place in this uh, apartment complex in Poland in the eighties. It was made in the eighties, um, and it's taken me a minute to get through them just because all of them are really like emotionally draining. Um, short little films but like and the, the, there's also so much to like unpack with them that it, it really wouldn't do it justice to sit down and watch all of them in a row where did you find this it's criterion oh it's a criterion, criterion. Yeah, yeah i have a because yeah. i mean his other films red white blue yeah um i don't know <coughs> about the double life of Veronique, but uh, marco loves that one it's it's, it's quite good i saw that way back in the early days of of the Chelsea. Yeah. I also said red, red, white, and blue when they came out, theatrical release, and they yeah. were really good as well. Yeah. But, like, this is the same quality as those films. Like, mm-hmm. it, you you would never be able to tell that this aired on TV. Huh. But anyway, so the there's ten of them, and the fifth one and sixth one were edited down to an hour to put into the miniseries uh, and put into TV, but they also did theatrical releases for the fifth and sixth one. They're about an hour and 30 minutes. The fifth one is a short film about killing, and then the sixth one is a short film about love. And I just watched that one, and it's about this uh, like 22-year-old boy who kind of just works at a um, post office and really doesn't have much going on in his life. And um, every night he comes home and has this little telescope, and he looks at the telescope and watches this woman um, through her window like sleep with like an, a new guy every night. Like mm. She's this type of person that just brings home lots of men and he kind of just watches that unfold but then you like realize that he's not even really watching her have sex as more he is so lonely that he's just connected with this woman just like watching her do everyday things like you know get her mail and and just walk around the house and it and i mean it is i mean it is creepy i mean he is stalking this woman but it kind of develops in a way that you wouldn't expect and it is turns out it's a pretty like beautiful piece i think um i'm still thinking about it a lot but yeah, check that out. It's <clears throat> if you are into that type of stuff. I know Criterion is having a sale. Um, the box set for the full deck log is about a hundred dollars, but you can get it in half off uh, Barnes and Noble in July. I think is when it starts. So if you're into you know, and, and it feels very like Eastern European. Like it is yeah. a very like in terms of like the colors, like it is very dull. It's like very, it's like austere. That kind yes, of, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, that's a good way of putting it. It, it does speak leagues about his uh, Kieslowski's ability to make an interesting and engaging film using that like very bland and and very muted yeah. setting and palette. He can make these like beautiful films. Yeah, and each and each of the ten films has a different cinematographer, which is really cool. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, he directs all of them, and um, him and this other man uh, co-wrote all of them. But he hires a different cinematographer for each, and sometimes mm-hmm. it, it doesn't really make a difference. But especially the fifth one. A short film about killing the color like it is like it's about this guy that that strangles a, a person just randomly in the whole film they apply this like disgusting like putrid yellow filter over mm-hmm. it during like just certain scenes and it's just so nasty looking but it's it a, works really well it's kind of like the Denis Villeneuve's enemy it's it has this kind of 
jaundiced yellow. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Like yeah. we're at first, I thought like the, the, the colors were wrong on my TV, yeah. but it's or like natural born killers. Yeah, where it's all these red, blue. Yeah. Well, I'm um, thinking of Soderbergh and Traffic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. That's what um, yeah. But anyway, you guys should definitely check them out. If you, yeah, and, I'd like uh, to. But also, if you guys, if anyone is listening, has Filmstruck, the um, streaming service, they're all on there. So watch those. The first one is really good. So just start with that. And you can kind of jump around from there. But I, I recommend starting with Decalogue 1 just because um, I think it's maybe the most engrossing from the like uh, outset. Mm. But so I was, I've been watching those and then... Um, I also watched, I'd never seen his movies before, but I know a lot of people talk about him, but Rainer Warner Fassbender, I think that's how you pronounce the first two names, but super prolific, like German new wave director that he died really early, like in his late thirties, but made like 30 plus films. And a lot of them, I, I, from my understanding, there's probably some duds in there, but, um, there's a lot of like critically acclaimed stuff that he's done. And I watched one called the merchant of four seasons and it's unlike anything I've ever seen before, just in the way that it's shot and just the way that it tells its story. It's kind of one of those movies that it, it seems like it's going one way and then just kind of goes a different way. Like halfway through, it just completely changes pace and stuff. So if you're if you're interested in like new wave cinema, definitely check that out. Check him out. But yeah, it's pretty good. Hmm. I liked it a lot. Watch that one. Yeah, with Sam. I would like to. Braden? Really, the only new thing I've been watching is Evil Genius sort of one of those uh, multi-part true crime stories. Uh, like the Netflix binge. On Netflix, yeah. Yeah. So there's only, oddly enough, there's only four episodes to it. So it's relatively short. I've already watched two of them. I watched two of them last night. But it's it's the the story, the crime is so strange. The story surrounding it, the people surrounding it are so strange. It's It's really compelling and interesting to watch. It's about a bank robber, right? It's sort of. It's about a guy who's who robs a bank he's he's essentially coerced into robbing a bank a bomb is strapped around his neck and he's coerced into robbing a bank and then there's a series of other murders that occur afterwards and then somebody reports on this woman marjorie deal armstrong and the guy's saying you know i've got a body in my freezer at my house and and i put it there because this woman told me to hmm. i mean it's just it's just this weird spiral of events that occur and everybody who's involved in this is just so uh well the suspects at least i should say are just so bizarre but i've watched the first two parts of the four-part series um and so far it's it's really compelling it's really interesting and mm-hmm. it's uh the interviews that they have with everybody that you know from the fbi the atf the state police this was this occurred in erie erie pennsylvania the state police the local police and it goes through uh in an interview process with all these people and this happened just recently hmm. and this hmm. is 2003 huh. uh and it apparently got a lot of international press i think here in the united states it may not have received as much because we were still first of all reeling from september 11th yeah, because this was only about two years after September 11th, but then we were also involved, I believe, in the Iraq War at the time. Yeah, yeah that was just starting up. Yeah, yeah I, I can't remember whether this immediately preceded or just followed the Iraq War, but either way, the news cycle would not have focused. Just on got this. lost in yeah. the shuffle. Yeah, because I, I think that would have been something that I remember. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, obviously, uh, the American psyche was still reeling from September 11th, and then mm. um, the Iraq War was just moving into you know all either the case for that was being built or it had just just started uh 
prosecution of that war. And so yeah, so um, Americans had a few other things on their yeah, mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this crime apparently, I mean, they had news clips from places in Europe. Uh, they had a news clip from from uh, Japanese television about this, Whoa. just because it was such a strange thing. I mean, it sounds like a made up story. Uh, it's not just the fact that this guy had this bomb strapped to his chest, locked locked to him with a collar, saw style. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like some shit you'd see. Yeah. But, or it's almost like in the Hurt Locker. That scene in the Hurt Locker where yeah. the guy near the end, they've, yeah. or they've they've strapped this guy to, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, they, I mean, you you hear about that in various places. Um, Iraq, I know that was going on for a while. Yeah, definitely. Afghanistan, they had issues like that where people would be um, unwilling victims of, of um, or un- unwilling carriers, I guess I should say, of IEDs. Yeah. But... Not only was it the fact that this guy had this bomb strapped to him and then he was forced to go rob a bank carrying with him, of all things, a cane gun. Seriously. Huh. It was just like it was just like a cane with a little mechanism in it so they could fire a one shot. What just the fuck? Right? <laughs> what but the then fuck? but then this guy was somehow he was he was following a series of clues like a scavenger hunt. And it said, go out to the McDonald's down the road and look under the rock and there will be a note. And then you take the note and then you follow the note and then it will lead you to this parking lot. And then in the parking lot will be strapped to the bottom of the mailbox will be a key and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? And so the whole point to him doing the scavenger hunt was he was ultimately supposed to find the keys that would unlock this collar so he could get the bomb off. But yeah. Only after robbing the bank, getting the money, dropping the money off somewhere and then following a series of notes from that point on to get Dang. to get these keys. And so the whole thing just really weird. Yeah. And pretty sadistic too. Yeah. I mean it, it was it was all very very strange. Just four episodes of it. Uh it's just, yeah, it's hour four piece. episodes. About an hour piece, a little yeah, under yeah. an hour piece. I, yeah, I I've I heard about it and I would really like to watch that so. Um it's interesting. It's done by the Duplass brothers. Oh, oh really? And Tully. Yeah, who one of them was in Tully. Who who are they? Exactly? They're they're because coming they're up everywhere. in prominence. Well, I mean so, they uh, they make a lot of uh, low budget horror movies, right? They no yeah. Mark and Jay. Uh, or no no they do the they did the comedies. So they did a movie or they did a a, a short lived series on HBO. It's two seasons. They're just on NPR the other day. So um, a short lived series called Togetherness, where they uh, co wrote and directed it. Um, and then Mark Duplass was in the league. Um, and then I'm trying to think. No, no, Jay Duplass is now starring in a show right now. I'm not sure what show it is. It might be. He might be in this. I don't know. Hmm. Um, or might be affiliated. Well, with- no. They so they executive produce. Um, they've done the. They did the Creep movies. They all. They also did Wild Wild Country. The, that Netflix movie oh. about the in Indian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cult and then i'm kind of wanting to watch that as well that's yeah and 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 they they executive produced the skeleton twins that comedy with kristen wig and yeah i quite like this they do they produce almost like a blumhouse productions they do kind of like a lot of these low budget Mm -hmm. genre films Hmm. but and this apparently which is cool so um yeah yeah but that that's on netflix now if you uh want to see it i'm trying to think if there was anything else because i guess we had two weeks 
of stuff, but I haven't really been watching much. Yeah, I haven't been watching much. Um, I'm just upset that two of my favorite shows, Ash vs. Evil Dead and The Expanse, have both been canceled. Three seasons. And oh, yeah. Dead. So I, that's uns- ups- unsettling. Yeah, there upsetting. were a few... Yeah, a lot, a lot of shows recently got the... Got the axe, yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking of robberies, did y'all see that video? I mean, it was months ago of these two... I think it was in China or Japan... Of these two, like, teenage people trying to uh, rob a place. I think you showed it to me. No, yeah, okay, I so I can't remember the exact what nation it was in, but at night, these two, I guess it was two, uh, like, teenage, maybe people, like, uh, Coopers in my age, um, both have hoods on, and they were trying to get this door or um, lever open, and one of them, it goes up to the the building and the other one has like a, a rock or uh, something really heavy and he tries to throw it at the um, the structure to break it and he ends up hitting the other one in the head and it, it, this was all captured on like se- security yeah. camera yeah and it makes the other one go unconscious when he gets hit and there's the video is just him dragging his friend away around the corner and the whole time it was done they released it through CNN and they had this really funny music playing, like, do-do-do-do-do. And it's like, you just see this guy chuck this heavy object, and this guy just get plastered by this. <laughs> and he goes unconscious, and he has to drag him away. If you haven't seen it, it's golden YouTube yeah. comedy video. Yeah. I True. don't know. Did they catch these guys? I don't know. I mean, because they were both in hoods, and they were it was at night, yeah. and so it's kind of... Well, I mean, but it was, it, was, it was captured on a camera. And they, these guys they, were actually trying to rob a bank. Yeah, they or, or no, it wasn't a bank, it was, a, it was some, it was some store, and so they, no, no robbery or even any harm was done to the building, it looks like. It was just two guys <laughs> who are so stupid. Wow. Yeah. Um, but check it out if you need uh, a, a laugh. God. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess, I guess that's about it for what we had this week. So I guess next week... Deadpool 2, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I'll probably watch it. Yeah. I don't. I didn't really like the first one all that much, but yeah. Um, we'll, of course, Cooper, you're always welcome back if you want. Yeah. If you want to see it, and I'm not sure what we'll do for a retro review. I mean, we could do the first Deadpool, but that'd just be kind of repetitive. Hey, Logan, I haven't seen Logan. Oh yeah, and, and neither has Chloe. We'll figure something out for next week, but um, I think more than likely Deadpool 2. And our, our schedule should be at least somewhat back to normal. I so. don't really know much else that's coming out this week. Yeah. I mean, there's good it's all biopics at the Chelsea, which are some good biopics. So there's a Pope Francis film, the RBG, Louis Bader Ginsburg film. Yeah. You know, I kind of want to see both. So, yeah, and hopefully, you know, our, our schedules are still probably going to be a little all over the place, but we should be able to record maybe on Tuesday or Wednesday like we usually do. And sorry again about not having the show last week. It wasn't our intention, but... It happens. Well, guys, anything y'all want to mention before we wrap up? Cooper, nope. you've got head on to Joe nope. Van Gogh, right? No, oh, yeah, yeah, I got work here now. I'm stopping to get him a griddle on the ground. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get him a griddle, man. Can you still make those things? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, guys, thanks as always. Yeah. It's always a fun time. Yeah, and Chloe should be back next week. But until next time, we'll see you. Bye bye. Mamma mia, mamma mia, mamma mia, let me go. Beelzebub has a devil put aside for me.